everybody. Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. Well, here we are. High school football is back, and we are ready to tackle 66 games this weekend across the tri-state with Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, and um, we're going to get right into it. A little bit later on, you're going to hear from ScoutingOhio.com Director Mark Porter, who's also a recruiting analyst for Bucknuts.com. He's going to talk about why Southwest Ohio has been so crucial to the Ohio State University football recruiting efforts. But first, I'm going to talk to OHSA Senior Director of Media Relations, Tim Street, about why he thinks the officiating concerns will be addressed here sometime soon with a new partnership the state governing body is going to have with Ref Prep. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is always chicken. Download the app for easy ordering. And as I mentioned, I had a conversation earlier this week with OHSA Senior Director of Media Relations, Tim Street. We discussed a number of topics as the school year begins, including officiating concerns, why Canton may be a long-term solution for the state football final, and many other considerations as the school year gets going. Well, Tim, thanks for taking a few minutes here and uh, embarking upon another school year. Remind me again, what year is this for you now at the OHSA as you embark on this uh, 22-23 school year? Good to be with you, Mike. Yeah, I'm going into my 15th year, which is hard to believe, but um, never gets old and uh, excited for the start of another school year. Well, great. Well, I always appreciate the conversation. And, uh, you know, as as always, um, plenty of topics to talk about, but uh, I want to start with fall sports. Obviously, uh, week one of high school football is upon us. 712 schools around the state of Ohio looking to play 11-man football and um, season gets started uh, Officially Thursday night around here in greater Cincinnati with a couple uh, games and then uh, everything obviously uh, in full uh, Friday night mode uh, on the 19th. But uh, tell me about the anticipation of high school football season for you there and everybody in the OHSA office and how much uh, everybody's looking forward to it around the state. Sure. Yeah. And and it's not cliche that we really do get excited for the start of the uh, football season, but all of our fall sports we we get excited for. But a lot of us will be out at a game on Friday night. I know I will take my boys with me and we'll see a high school football game. So we'll love doing that. And, and really, the anticipation starts back in probably around mid-July, just with our office ramping up for the start of practice on August 1st. So there's a lot that starts going into motion even before practice starts. But then once we get to August 1st, and and for me personally, once I start seeing a lot of the pictures and videos of teams practicing, um, all the things, you know, they they start again. You know, a lot of this is uh, um, new for new new incoming high school players, new starters, um, schools either moving up a division or they're in a new conference. You know, it, everything gets born again. Sometimes I look at it that way with uh, the start of football in the fall. So. Um, and with the cool temperatures this week, it starts to feel like it too. So I'm I'm happy for that. But we do get excited for sure. Um, and you know, the season starts a week earlier. Um, you know, this is a few years now that we've started the the season a week earlier. So um, you know, it, it it sometimes it hits you fast. But uh, but we're we're ready here. I, I know our schools are ready, uh, especially since they got to get their five day acclimatization period done at the end of July. I've heard a lot of good feedback about that. So. Starting August 1st, they were ready to put the pads on. And you mentioned 15 years there at the OHSA. Um, I, I know you're an Ohio native and everything, uh, but just still high school football in this state. Um, you know, we hear about, uh, you know, Florida and Texas and, and California. And, you know, I think sometimes 
we don't understand, or maybe we, we take it for granted how good we have it here in Ohio. Um, but, uh, people on the outside, um, may not realize, you know, just the, the amount of teams, the, 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 the great talent across the board each and every season and uh, through seven divisions. I mean, what uh, what impresses you each and every year when you when you watch the game and, and see the interest again from the communities around the state? Well, you're right, Mike. I think a lot of people in Ohio don't realize those things that you just mentioned. You know, Ohio is the fourth largest state in the country in terms of high school sports. I mean, a lot of people are blown away by that. Um, but uh, I always think about that when I go to either our national conference or our Midwest conference and other states in the Midwest will ask us, what about this? How do you do that? You know, I see you're doing this now. Um, it, so Ohio, it, a lot of people don't really think of it this way, but Ohio is a leader in a lot of the things we do. Um, in 2013, our competitive balance proposal passed. Other states around us have taken uh, some bits and pieces of that and used it for their own. So um, Ohio definitely is looked to in, in some areas uh, that other states look at what we're doing. Um, we have more schools playing football than any other state in the Big Ten other than California now, which will happen here soon. But, you know, we we just uh, have, have a, a large number of schools. As you mentioned, we have 712 schools playing 11-man football. There's a handful that play eight-man two. Um, which they're certainly permitted to do. We we don't have a tournament for eight man football, but there are certainly some schools that do that. Um, but but yeah, you know when when you look at college football across Ohio, that's a reflection of the the talent we have in the state at the high school level. But um, it, it 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 impresses uh, us every year, and then you see that displayed at the next level too. So not you know, we we focus on the high school, but we certainly recognize and appreciate that the talent is here. Um, that, that goes on to the next level, both on Saturdays and Sundays. Well, you wouldn't have Friday night lights without officials, Tim. And obviously, you know that very well. And, um, you know, we, this is not a, a new storyline for anybody who's followed Ohio high school sports. It doesn't matter if it's football or any of the other sports uh, that are sanctioned within the state. But, uh, you know, the, the number of officials have been decreasing in a lot of sports. And uh, here locally, I know in greater Cincinnati, I was just uh, speaking with a couple of officials over the weekend and, uh, they were mentioning estimates of 20 to 25 percent reduction from a year ago and really not any new members taking classes. I have a contact up in Northeast Ohio. They were saying, you know, maybe about 10 percent there. Uh, and we heard about uh, in the news about a uh, a boycott that was averted, um, a potential boycott that was averted in the, in the greater Cleveland area uh, last week. So, um, and again, due to, to, to pay increases. But um, I guess what's the OHSA stance on? Uh, hearing some of these numbers and how, how does the membership uh, try to encourage um, officials to to help out on these Friday nights? Well, we are very concerned about the number of officials across the state in a lot of our sports. Um, and, and in some parts of the state, um, thankfully, football numbers of officials are are OK in, in some parts of the state. But um, I, I'll never uh, pass up a chance to uh, certainly uh, encourage anyone who is even a little interested in exploring becoming an official or you want to see what it's like to take the class. Um, we, we offer online classes now uh, through Ref Prep, which we're announcing that partnership here soon. Uh, so you can take a, an officiating class from your own home. Um, so that, that's the first step. Uh, but, but like I said, luckily, Football and in a lot of parts of the state, we're doing okay in terms of numbers, but we have some sports, um, specifically volleyball and soccer and cross country 
which also goes with track and field and, and lacrosse. Um, boy, we we are uh, desperately low um, in the number of officials we have. So you know, there's so many uh, people that that grew up playing soccer. You know, maybe played soccer when they were younger. Um, if you know a little bit about the game and, and you want to get back involved, um, please uh, go to ohsa.org and uh, set yourself up with a profile uh, to become uh, registered for a class. And uh, that's where it starts. But, um, you know, the, the, the thing that's really unfortunate with the, the low number of officials is what, what we see happen is the JV games may get canceled, the freshman games, the junior high games. Um, those are the first ones to suffer because the, the varsity games are always going to get filled first. We want to make sure that the varsity games are uh, taken care of with officials. But then if there's a JV game on a Tuesday night, let's talk baseball or softball. If the, the varsity officials are all doing the games and there's no one to do the JV game, then the JV game just doesn't happen. And that is where kids get to play. That's where they learn the game. So um, it, it's very uh, concerning. Um but uh, we're hoping that our new partnership with Ref Prep will um, get more people signed up to take the class. That will lead to more licensed officials. So we hope that uh, help is on the way. And will there be more information forthcoming about that partnership then, Tim? Absolutely right, right. In fact, um, uh, it'll be later this week, early next week, we'll have an official announcement on Ref Prep. And the, the neat thing too uh, is a lot of our schools are already incorporating officiating classes into their school for students. Um, and a lot of schools, they can get a, a credit for doing that. Um, so it, the, the thing that we talk about all the time is it's instant employability. You can get your license, you can go out and start working games and earning money. So we, we really try to encourage our schools that that's a big part of the ref prep program is that it's online and you can get a, a teacher that can set up a class with this online curriculum. And there you go. Your, your students are going to get exposed to officiating. They can move toward getting licensed. They can start working games. So that, that's our goal. Um, so many of our schools do, you know, they have so many sports that the kids play and they're interested in that. Well, if we can capture them, that interest when they're young, get them exposed to officiating, we really think that could be the the solution to get a, a larger pool of officials moving forward to replace the ones that are retiring, are giving it up. As you mentioned, our numbers are declining. So we need a, a good pool of, of people who are going to replace them moving forward. Well, one aspect of uh, high school football that doesn't need assistance is in the computer points ratings and uh, the schedules. And you have uh, a, a treasure trove of information um, all provided by Joe Idle. Uh, anybody who's covered high school football or follows high school football should be aware of Joe's website and uh, plan to speak with him this week. And uh, I know he provides uh, the information. I don't know, how many years has that been going now that uh, he's been the official provider of information for the OHSA team? I, I bet, Mike, it's around eight or nine where he has been our computer programmer for the computer results, you know. So we we rely on him a lot in the fall, that's for sure. I mean, tell us just how instrumental he has been in, in providing this great game. And, you know, there's so much fan interest. I know the playoff system has, has changed, obviously, over the past couple of years, and we all know that. Uh, but uh, really, to see a, a potential first or second round matchup, you, you go to Joe's website and, and, you know, you can get all the prognostications and, and all the numbers right there. So how, how important has he been to the game of high school football here? 
Well, he has taken our computer formula and our computer ratings and made them foolproof, basically. He is such a brilliant mind that he takes all those scores every Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. They instantly go into his computer and it's constantly running all of the computer points. You know, he just, it, it's two parts. It, the first part is having the formula in place and knowing what division each school is in. But then the second part is getting the final scores. And he has his method of doing that on a Thursday night, on a Friday night, on Saturday, that is, is almost uh, um, um, in real time. Uh, so he is so good at that. Um, prior to Joe, we had an internal program where where we fed in the scores, getting those from our member schools, and that that took a day or two. And so we didn't have the computer ratings until Tuesday morning, and that's when I would then send them out Tuesday afternoon uh, to our website and to our media list. Now uh, I still do that, but I I get the 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 reports from Joe, and uh, but people sometimes it's not breaking news because you can go on to joeidle.com on a Sunday afternoon and see what happened and see where all the computer points are and see who's already clinched a playoff spot, all those things. So we're, we're really blessed to have Joe in Ohio. And, um, you know, I, like I say all the time, uh, I, I want to make sure he has uh, adequate security when he goes to the grocery store in uh, late October. So, but no, we're, we're really blessed to have Joe and he just does a great job. I know it's only week one, but remind everybody uh, is is kind of look toward the end of the regular season into the playoffs, uh, what the format is like, uh, what nights everybody plays and how that will all go as far as, you know, hosting uh, playoff games. Sure. Well, you know, we start um, this week is week one and then um, Saturday, October 22nd is the end of the regular season. Um, Hard to believe it ends in October, but it does. So. On Sunday, October 23rd, we will announce the final computer ratings, and that then basically lays out who plays who in the first round. So um, this is a bit of a change, but on uh, the first and second rounds of the playoffs, so that's the first round and then the regional quarterfinals, the better seeded team will host those games on Friday nights. Um, so the first two rounds, all of our playoff games are on Friday night. That's um, Friday, October 28th, and Friday, November 4th. So um, that's a lot of games. Uh, you know, uh, back in that first round, we have 224 playoff games all on Friday night. Um, so um, that, that's at the better seated teams field. That's the way it is for the first, for the second round on November 4th. And then when we get to the regional semifinals, that's November 11th and 12th, that's when we move to region or to a neutral site. And, um, when we go to neutral sites, um, divisions one, two, three, and five play on Friday nights, and divisions four, six, and seven play on Saturday nights. So we'll have some neutral sites that host a game on Friday and Saturday, um, but that's how we'll do it for the regional semis, regional finals, and then, of course, the state semifinals are Thanksgiving weekend, and then the state championships December 1st, 2nd, 3rd uh, in Canton, which I know is that's a bit of a drive from Cincinnati. We we hear that uh, from any Cincinnati. I've never heard team. that before, Tim. That's no, never heard that. But um, certainly, we we just have a great home in Canton with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure a lot of people watched Enshrinement Weekend and the NFL game on uh, Thursday night in, in early August. So we have a great home in Canton. Um, Ohio is very blessed to have the Pro Football Hall of Fame 
right here in our state. And uh, they do a great job hosting. And I think anyone who's been there, uh, whether it's a team or a fan or a, a, a coaching staff from a Cincinnati school that went up to watch some games, will tell you that it's a special place to be. And um, I think the finals will be there for a long time. Second year of a three-year contract. Uh, I was just going to ask you if you think Canton would be a, a future uh, long-time uh, potential host. I think they will. I think they will. Um, and, you know, back in the 80s when we were at Ohio Stadium, um, some people thought they'd never leave the shoe. Um, but we we had to leave when they put in natural grass. And we just found a really good home in Canton. Um, uh, they just have embraced the games. Um, we were back at Ohio State in 2014, 15, and 16 for those three years. And, and that was largely due to uh, Jim Trestle really wanting the games back at Ohio State. And uh, Coach Trestle, along with the Columbus Sports Commission, uh, made that happen. And we were there for three years. Um, we, we still continue to talk to Ohio State from time to time about football and, and a lot of sports. Um, but I, I don't see right now a push coming from Ohio State to, to host the games. Um, in the near future, uh, that could change. Um, you know, certainly we're always talking to a lot of different partners and potential partners, but, um, I, I if I had to guess, I think that, uh, Canton is going to have the games probably for the next cycle as well. Before I let you go, Tim, I know, uh, we're just right at the start of the fall sports season, obviously, but, uh, you have a couple of sports, uh, and girls wrestling in the winter and obviously boys volleyball in the spring that are going to be added to, um, the OHSA schedule officially this uh, school year. So tell us a little bit about each one of those and maybe the, uh, the postseason um, outlook for, for each of those tournaments. Sure. Yeah. We're, we're uh, real excited to bring on those two new sports. So that puts us up at 28 in terms of the number of our sanctioned sports. And uh, we announced that back in January that we were going to sanction those two sports. And then I think it was in April uh, or early May that we announced that our girls wrestling state tournament, our inaugural girls wrestling state tournament will be incorporated into the three days of the boys tournament at the Schottenstein center at Ohio state. And that was a, a, a great thing we were able to do. Um, we certainly had to slightly adjust and we're still in the process of doing that slightly adjusting the state tournament schedule. Uh, but that's the second weekend in March and the girls will be on the, the center stage right along with the boys. So really happy about that. Um, as you mentioned, boys volleyball is a spring sport and um, I, I, we're, we're going to do a release on this here at some point in the fall. But the number of boys volleyball teams has already doubled from where it was prior to the OHSA sanctioning it. Um, it's, I, I, I'm shocked. I, I didn't know that. Uh, it would grow as fast as what we're seeing, but um, we were about um, 80 schools prior to OHSA sanctioning, and and the last report I I saw was that we were at 160 already. So um, schools, you know, I, I think once they see OHSA governance uh, involved, um, they are more likely to have their school uh, pursue that sport and. Um, we, we've seen that with lacrosse uh, back in 2013 when we sanctioned lacrosse. Um, this could end up being a similar situation to what we saw with bowling uh, back in 2007. Uh, we we uh, sanctioned bowling 
in 2007, and it it grew at a similar rapid pace, uh, similar to what we're seeing with boys volleyball. Um, you know, so many small towns have a bowling alley. We're going to run the tournament now. School signs up a team. That that's how it works in a lot of cases. So we're real excited about that. Um, we don't have a state tournament venue yet for boys volleyball. Um, uh, Emily Mason is our volleyball administrator. She's doing site visits right now. Uh, I believe it will be somewhere in central Ohio. Um, that's where our site visits are happening. But we're most likely going to be at a university here in central Ohio that will host our tournament. Um, and that's the last week in May. Um, same week. I'm sorry, the second to last week in May. It's May 25th and 26th uh, will be the boys volleyball tournament. That's the same week as our boys tennis tournament. So we'll get that tournament uh, concluded there. It's right before Memorial Day. And then the week after that are the track and field, softball, and lacrosse state tournaments. And then the week after that is uh, baseball. So, yeah, already uh, I have the calendar up on my wall. We're already looking through the whole school year. You know, things uh, in the summer, we piece it all together. And then August 1st, fall sports practices begin and we're off and running. So we're, we're pretty excited. Well, even if the uh, boys volleyball state tournament remains in central Ohio, we know greater Cincinnati will be well represented if history is any indicator of uh, all the success and state titles that uh, we've had um, in the past few years. So, Tim, always appreciate your time perspective. Thank you very much and uh, all the best to you and everybody there at the OHSA staff in Columbus this entire school year. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate your coverage and thanks for all you do for high school sports. Thank you, Tim. Well, obviously, a lot going on with the OHSA. 712 teams playing 11-man football, as Tim mentioned, and uh, it all gets started this week. Thursday night, we have a handful of games here locally, including the Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown opening up, and then obviously everything gets going on Friday night. But I want to remind everybody, this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants. Catering is Chick-fil-A's winning play of the game. Perfect for your tailgate parties. Order today in the app. Well, continuing the theme of high school football, I had a chance to catch up with Mark Porter, who's the longtime director of ScoutingOhio.com. He also is a recruiting analyst for Bucknuts.com. He does a ton with Ohio State football. And uh, he mentioned to me the proliferation of recruits from Southwest Ohio and why that's a key component for the Buckeyes recruiting efforts. All right, Mark, another high school football season upon us. Uh, So many different storylines. you know, everybody's starting fresh and new. And as I've gone out to a lot of these camps and practices, you know, everything sounds so great. Uh, you know, teams are ready to go. Um, you know, you hear a lot of the, the cliche answers from uh, a lot of coaches and players. But uh, truly, I mean, there's the, the you know, we have some very talented teams and, and players to watch this year. Um, I guess maybe your impression just first of all of, of Southwest Ohio and what you've noticed. Yeah, you know what, Southwest Ohio, uh, much like Columbus, and even the Dayton area are some of the best areas in Ohio for football. And it has largely to do with the population. More people means more talent, more kids. But a lot of Division One programs in those areas and Division Two programs, uh, if you're like me and you're up here in uh, Youngstown, we don't have a Division One program in town anymore. We just have a couple Division Two programs. So you guys are definitely the strength of Ohio. And you're representing Ohio very well. You have a bunch of Ohio State prospects at the top end of the recruiting spectrum in your area. Uh, Malik Hartford of Lakota West is a safety, and he's at the top end of being safeties in the country, let alone Ohio. Uh, Austin Sierraveld at Lakota East is another big-time offensive lineman. He's going to play tackle or maybe guard for the Buckeyes. 
Uh, if you look at Jordan Marshall for Moeller, you have a running back that's absolutely spectacular, had a great sophomore season. Uh, he's going to be one that I think people down there start to fall in love with because he's going to be in a premium position at a premium school and a household name should follow uh, very shortly. And then, of course, over Winton Woods, you have Jermaine Matthews, uh, a cornerback that is absolutely uh, electric and he plays press coverage and man to man, but there's not a lot of corners in Ohio that do that. And he's already efficient at both. So, some really high-end prospects, and I'm, I'm missing a bunch of other guys going to other schools. I was a little Ohio State-centric Ohio State centric there, but uh, big-time stuff down there in Southwest Ohio. What, what can you say about this 2023 class that's made such a connection with the Ohio State University and maybe the, the coaching staff? And, and is there something in particular? Do you, do you find a theme there? You know, not really. Uh, there is no, like, connection. It, it's weird that most of the Ohio State class is coming from southwest Ohio. The one kid from uh, Finley, uh, Luke Montgomery, and an Arvell Reese just committed from Cleveland. But you got the bulk of them right down there. And if they were all at the same school or they all had the same trainer or they all had some connection like that, I'd be able to throw you a quick bone like that. But for the most part, they're just the most talented at their position in the state of Ohio. And all of those programs I mentioned, are places you would go to get developed, where there's competition in the weight room, there's competition on the field, there's competition at the lower levels. So it's bringing out the absolute best that a player may have to offer, and a lot of those players are very well-developed products. You talk about recruiting, and people talk about the transfer portal, the COVID year. You've heard this ad nauseum for many months now. But, um, you know, when you kind of look at 23 and beyond, maybe getting into 24, I mean, what, what do you see, I guess, uh, the direction of, of recruiting and where it's going right now in terms of uh, the high school yeah. players themselves? Yeah, so, so we'll talk about the COVID bubble a little bit and what that actually is. Uh, in Ohio, about 125 kids get an FBS Division One scholarship a year. And that number has been as high as 150, maybe down to 115, but that's pretty much what we do in Ohio every year. During COVID, when they gave seniors an extra year to stay in uh, college and scholarship them an extra year, uh, the colleges didn't need to take as many freshmen because they had some seniors that were sticking around. So instead of taking 20, they probably took 15. In Ohio last year, we had 75 kids go Division I. Uh, so we were about, down about 50 kids. So that really hurt a lot of high school players. Uh, the transfer portal where colleges could go get a ready-made player, they think, out of the portal rather than take a high school player, that also hurt that number. So there's a little bubble where we've dipped down. So if you were the class of 2022, you kind of took it in the chin. 2023, there's going to be a recovery, but we, I don't know if we're going to get to 125, 130, 150. Hopefully we get over 100, but it seems like uh, the colleges are recruiting the high school again. They, they have access to the kids at camps in the summer where they didn't really have as much access COVID. So those things are going on. And then now uh, the next thing is you know, uh, name, image, and likeness money where uh, not only do you get a scholarship, but you're going to get some type of package to work for a company or do something to get actual cash and money to help you out. And a lot of these players down south that want to come to Ohio State are pretty much saying, like, how much are you going to give us to get my family up here for all the games every weekend? And that's kind of like the base starting point for what's going on out there in this world. And of course, uh, players are being bought out of the portal, and there's uh, million-dollar deals given to quarterbacks at Tennessee and other things. So, you know, how far we go down this NIL rabbit hole, but that is going to change the face of college football. And you can see the conferences realigning to get a couple power conferences where you're going to see, like, uh, an NFL, like a NFC East and an NFC, or a NFC and an AFC, or 
where there's going to be two dominant conferences and, you know, there'll be a playoff system. And is that what's best for college football, you know, to be seen or to be, you know, watched? Does anything surprise you anymore with college athletics? No. If you can tell by talking to me, I, I'm pretty pragmatic. Hey, this is what it's going to go. Let's, let's bend to it. Let's, let's go with it. And I mean, obviously I only get one vote and it doesn't matter, you know, very much. So yeah, this thing's going to happen and we're going to watch it. And I think, you're going to see guidelines be put up like what the NFL did. So there is a fairness to it. Maybe there is some sort of salary cap or some type of uh, full disclosure on what players are actually getting. Cause right now you really don't see anything documented as to what these players are signing when they get these deals. And some of the deals are flashy, like an NFL deal, lots of millions of dollars. But if you really read it, not all of it's guaranteed. You got to do certain things to get it. And you know, like uh, the quarterback that came from Texas Quinours to Ohio state, he got a big deal to come here and he left, you know, a few months later to go back to Texas. Well, do they have to pay him still? You know, so obviously that deal was, you know, torn up and there were things in there that, hey, if you leave, all bets are off. And, you know, so that needs to be, I guess, watched and oversight. And there's a lot of things that can help that NIL process. But right now, you're going to see a couple of years of, of wild, wild west and, and a lot of controversy. How do you go about determining? finding the market value of a high school player when you're going through the recruiting process and, and, you know, you're visiting college campuses. I mean, how does one go about knowing how to negotiate even the first step of that? Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's ask that question to NFL teams who have millions of dollars and dozens of scouts and they can't get the first round of the uh, draft, right? Where it's a 50% bust every year, pretty much. So with all that scouting and all that knowledge, they're spending money and setting it on fire. Now, when you have your salary cap of 150 million and you're an owner, you can pretty much assure that 30, 40 million, you're going to set on fire every year to players that are hurt, don't show up, quit or get bad. And it's going to drive you insane or it's just part of the game. College football has not experienced that yet. All these guys that they're giving money to out of high school look like they're going to make it. But every uh, class that a college has is about a 50% bust rate too. So, when these donors and these uh, car dealerships or whoever are giving money to these things, they need return on investment. And when these kids bust, don't make the field, get hurt, and all that upfront money they've given them goes set on fire, you're going to see this thing equalize. So, but right now, we're seeing all the shots being taken where everything's great, all these players are going to make it, no one's going to bust. Uh, so there's an optimism right now. And, you know, a car dealership who gives a kid a car and says, okay, we're going to give you a car, but you got to come here and sign autographs a couple Saturdays. They're also doing the analysis. How many cars did we sell? Was it worth what we gave him versus how many times he was here versus so a lot of this stuff has to be worked out. You know, a lot of times uh, these kids are tweeting for gyms or uh, apparel lines or stuff like that, like local businesses. And are those businesses getting banged for their buck? You know, so Definitely a nice thing for the players to actually be able to capitalize on who they are and what they've accomplished. But uh, you're going to see some of the smarter schools like Ohio State take an approach where we're not going to give freshmen NIL money. We're not going to play that game, but we're going to promise you once you're a starter, here's what our starters are earning. Then they're going to be able to give you a little pamphlet or say, okay, you got to play the long game with us. And, you know, I know someone else might want to give you upfront money, but we have the back end money and we have the NFL draft picks and the NFL money you're going to get. So go with us. And that's the selling point right now. But in the next couple of years, this is all going to change. We're, we, we can talk again. <laughs> I want to keep this kind of centered on the high school game itself. But uh, 
Obviously, this past spring, NIL was overwhelmingly voted down by the OHSA membership. And um, were you, first of all, were you surprised by that? Uh, do you see that, uh, that I guess, tone changing any uh, in the coming years here? Or, or how do you make sense of this? Yeah, you know, for high school kids, that was really, you know, I, I know they think they're great. And some of these kids get these four and five star ratings or at the top of the tree. But for most kids, that's not even a factor. No one's looking for their name, image, and likeness. So it was only for a few kids that would affect. And all of a sudden, now you have kids that can be bought in high school, where a rival town can say, hey, we have a car dealership over here that wants to give you guys $10,000 to come play over here. And now, you know, transfers and things like that are going to be rampant, where you're literally buying players to stock high school teams. So, yeah, if you don't want recruiting in high school and people using their businesses to you know, shift players to different high school teams, then you definitely don't want name and image and likeness filtering its way down to the high school. Uh, and if those players are great enough, when they go to college freshman year, they'll get their money. So it's only affecting a few guys, but it's trying to prevent a lot of bad, I think, on you. Then, I mean, can you imagine like a Maslin or some of these schools that, you know, automatically kids flock to, you know, I'm not saying recruiting, but. A lot of people are attracted to go play at a powerhouse like that. Now give some of those boosters in town the money to go dive into local schools around them and cherry pick the best players. It, it's really, that, that'd be a scary situation for smaller we're, schools. We're talking about obviously all the money and all the, the changes that have happened at the pro and college levels. I mean, the high school game, Mark, I mean, what, what's kind of your evaluation? I mean, where does this stand? Um, I, I feel like we haven't talked a lot of X's and O's, but I mean, just the high school game itself. How good is high school football still in the state of Ohio? How important is it? I feel like we kind of take that for granted, us in the media, but um, just come from your sense and you travel around and visit a lot of communities, how, how important is the game? There's a lot of ways to answer that, like factually with numbers or just my feel out there. And I, I feel, uh, you know, that concussion scare a few years back took numbers down, you know, in a lot of schools. And there was a scare at the youth levels. And we saw that rise up, you know, through the, you know, varsity levels where things were thin. And, you know, then some teams are going to think about going to seven man football in Ohio because they don't have the numbers. So numbers with football are, in general are down is the bad news. But Ohio's not one of the states that's really taken that on the chin. We're we're a football centric state. You know, our cheerleaders and our proms are all centered around football season. And, you know, there's a lot of school spirit. And, you know, if there's 700 uh, Ohio high schools out there in Ohio, which there are uh, 500 or 400 are really churning around. There might be a couple hundred on Friday night. The stands aren't full or the Saturday afternoon game for the stands aren't full. And those programs are struggling. And that is a real reality in Ohio. But at the top, at the Division One, at the big-time schools, uh, yeah, those places are playing at as a high level as anywhere in the country. And you see that when they battle other teams from other states. And, you know, they did that across the country, uh, rivalry type stuff. But Ohio, you know, it's, it's Texas, California, Florida, Georgia, and Ohio would be the most powerful states if you wanted to rank Ohio high school football and, you know, put them in there. And a lot of those states have more numbers and they have spring football, so they have a few advantages to us. but you know, Friday nights in Ohio, and I drive from town to town, towns shut down on Friday nights for 10 weeks. It, it really is a unique thing. And if you get me and you get to go to some of the smaller schools, like out in Southwest Ohio, uh, up in that cold water area where, you know, the Mac place, that's something everybody should see where, yeah, the whole town is at those places. And, you know, it's Americana high school football on those nights and really neat. 
We had the uh, return of the college combines uh, in May. Obviously, no spring football here in Ohio, but um, do you have those up there in Northeast Ohio? Did you do you find those to be effective? Yeah, yeah. The college uh, combines, uh, the ones that start in June, and that's where you know, like Youngstown State, Kent State, Akron. I, I always push kids to go to those camps because that's where the dream comes alive. Every summer, I go to those camps and I see kids work out. And when it's over, you see about five or six kids get handpicked to go meet with the coach and they get the scholarship, you know. And and if your film wasn't good enough to get you a scholarship, that's your next best way is to go, frankly, try out for a college. Uh, the other camps that are before that are more like warm-up camps and press camps and hype camps. And I always say those are optional. But uh, the college camps being back, I think, is when it's going to help boost our numbers because now they have the raw data on kids, the 40 times the height, the legitimate stuff, where during COVID, they didn't have access to all that stuff. So they felt more comfortable going into the portal and taking what they know and keeping seniors. So those camps coming back this summer, and they were at full strength. There were no COVID restrictions. Uh, only people who had health problems were wearing masks at the camp, but everybody else was roaming around. And it, it was nice to see the energy back because I know kids or look forward to that as their like last hope. And, you know, a lot of kids that are playing different positions, smaller schools, they need to get out there and compete at those things to prove themselves. I'm sorry, Mark. I meant the one day camps in May, like at schools. Do you guys oh. have those up there? Oh yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Southwest Ohio started that trend a couple of years ago where you had three or four or five high schools kind of combining and they would do a, like a combine at like 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 a.m. Yeah. Or 2 p.m those are awesome. And those have trickled up here to North uh, East Ohio. Uh, some of the uh, schools are doing them before we have a recruiting night. You know, a lot of times there's a recruiting night where all the college coaches get together with the high school coaches earlier that day. A lot of the schools are having them up here. Uh, you see it over with Maslin having a pro day where they have all the college coaches come up. So I love that because the high school coaches have grabbed hold of that uh, recruiting part of the process and said, Hey, we're not going to uh, let our kids go out and get charged hundred dollars or run a 40 yard dash somewhere. We're going to have them do it at our place. We're going to bring in college eyeballs. So if there is a great time or someone has a great moment, a scholarship can be awarded right there from a guy who has the ability to do that. I guess finally, what are your impressions of some of the teams there in Northern Ohio? Uh, some of our teams, we had three uh, teams in the state finals last year, uh, division two, three, and then four. Um, and I'm kind of curious, uh, maybe what Hoban, Chardon, Bring back uh, Youngstown, Ursuline, um, to some of those teams. Boy, uh, you guys are worried about us up here in Northeast Ohio. But, yeah, you just named uh, kind of like a murderer's row. Uh, Ursuline's back, but they don't have their quarterback. So if they ha can find a quarterback, they're going to be very dangerous. I just saw Glenville scrimmage on Saturday, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that pipeline is back. They got a three or four type Ohio State level players and a bunch of other MAC level players and D2 so you're going to see Glenville make their run this year. I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, Akron Hoban got a transfer quarterback from West Virginia that could be the guy that helps them steer along a little further. And then, of course, Masklin's freshman quarterback's now a sophomore. That gives them a little pep. Uh, I wouldn't count out the St. Ed's. Their offensive line is as good as any in the state. They got Ben Robach, uh, two Armstrong brothers that are twins. All those guys have Penn State Big Ten offers, Ohio State offers. Uh, the other offensive linemen are Mac to Ivy League level players. The tight end's got a Kentucky offer. So they are great up front, and they have a great uh, quarterback that no one knows about. So watch out for St. Ed's. Same, same names you've always heard about up here. So, yeah, it, it, I can't wait for the playoffs, but we got you know a lot of football between now and then.
Mark, uh, what will you be doing, I guess, uh, maybe the first few weeks? Uh, what's kind of like your travel schedule like and how can people follow you? Yeah. Uh, first, you can get me on Twitter at, at Mark Porter. There's two underscores between Mark and Porter. And anytime you go to the scoutingohio.com, it's, it's free for the kids to sign up. You can get a hold of me there. Uh, my travel schedule gets absolutely hectic. I try to see as many games as possible. So I'll go see games on Thursday. And I'll try to see two games. I'll go to the first half, and then during halftime, I'll try to get to another game and see another half so I can see four teams that night. Uh, I'm just there to bear witness, make sure kids are as big as they say they are, uh, watch them run around and get an evaluation on them. But I'll do that again Friday night. And then Saturday during the day, I'll see day games at you know either Akron City League or Cleveland City League or sometimes Dayton or even Cincinnati, and then watch games throughout the day. I love those shootouts down in Cincinnati where I can see a whole slate of games throughout a day and, and scout literally hundreds of kids in one day and that goes on for about 17 weeks for me until you know the wheels fall off the car <laughs> mark always appreciate your time perspective and uh hey uh it's it's football season it's here and uh best of luck to you and everything you do this this upcoming year yeah i appreciate you guys having me and i appreciate your support mike well, obviously, Mark uh, travels the entire state of Ohio. He has a good perspective on Northeast Ohio being from Youngstown. And uh, you can tell some of the similar school names that will be in the mix as uh, our teams prepare to uh, look ahead. And, you know, it's really the kind of the non-conference portion of the schedule here the first few weeks. And it's going to be interesting. One of those games that I'm looking forward to on Friday night is Moeller at Maslin. This is the first matchup between those two-story programs since 2006. That game was played at then uh, Paul Brown Stadium. While Moeller at Maslin is certainly a game to watch, our WCPO Game of the Week will take us to Westchester Township on Friday night. St. Xavier plays Lakota West. This is the fourth time these two programs have met, going back to the 2020 regional final there at Lakota West. Everybody knows that Firebirds uh, took care of business, winning in that uh, Division One regional semifinal against St. X at Princeton last year. And uh, WCPO sports anchor Marshall Kramsky and myself will be out there to have all the coverage for you Friday night there in Westchester. The winner of that St. X and Lakota West game, it will say a lot. It's kind of a barometer from the early season to see where uh, things go. As coaches like to say, that week one to week two is uh, maybe the most significant uh, telltale sign of progression for a team early in the season. So we'll be interested to see uh, how the result turns out there on Friday night. We'll have all the coverage for you the entire weekend. Like I said, Thursday night, I'll be out at Brom Basevich Stadium as Roger Bacon plays host to Taft. In a key matchup there, a non-league game that uh, both teams are very talented. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there at Roger Bacon. But uh, that's all we have for you this week. Next week, I'll have a conversation with Joe Idol. He's the author of JoeIdle.com. If you follow high school football here in the state of Ohio, you know that he keeps track of the computer points standings, uh, the scores and schedules from all over the entire state of Ohio. And uh, I have some interesting perspective uh, from Joe as he's uh, starting his 23rd year covering high school football. And uh, you want to find out what's on his bucket list too. What uh, He's from Central Ohio, but uh, he has some interesting perspective on what he would like to see uh, in the upcoming season or two. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Uh-oh.